With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. On a Monday, the day on which Liverpool travel to Leeds to take on Leeds United at Elland Road in the Premier League in a game that I'm absolutely dreading. Uh, I am left to my own devices today. Drinkle is gone to Mexico to, I don't know, strike a deal with the cartel or something. Uh, so I'm here by myself having to record myself. So if this is a mess, I do apologise, but hopefully it'll all be fine. Uh, Liverpool leads tonight, all going well. This should be, should be, three points for Liverpool. Leeds are dreadful. And last time out, Leeds got walloped by Crystal Palace at home. The first time in like 11 years, a Roy Hodgson coached club side had scored five goals away from home. Uh, when he was at West Brom, they walloped Wolves and Mick McCarthy was sacked after that one. Uh, so, you know, to concede five to a Roy team at home is pretty embarrassing and not something that happens very often. So leads are not very good, but they'll probably be looking for a big reaction <coughs> from their players tonight. So they have Max Wober expected to miss out. He's going to have a fitness test, but in all likelihood, he only makes the bench. Tyler Adams is out. That's a big blow for them because he's actually had a good season. He brings a lot of energy and ball winning in midfield. Um, for ourselves, we know that Diaz is back. Whether he's fit enough to start remains to be seen. Thiago obviously came back against Arsenal. You would hope that he's ready to start. No Ramsey, no Besetic, no Keita, but fingers crossed Ibu and Ali are both okay. When Klopp was asked about them on the 14th of April, he said that they hadn't trained for a day or two, but that they should be okay. Um, so with having had the weekend to work, hopefully Ibu and Ali are good to go. And we should expect probably to see Alisson, Trent, Ibu, Virgil, Robertson, Thiago and Fabinho plus one in midfield. Who that will be? It could be Harvey. It could be Henderson. I think Curtis Jones has been the best of the midfielders who started in the last two games. I don't think he's been brilliant by any stretch, but he has been significantly better than Henderson or Fabinho. Um, so I'd actually start Curtis if possible. And in attack, Mo, 
I'm hopeful it's Darwin and Diaz. And my thinking with Diaz is I'd rather play him for the first 45 minutes than bring him on with 30 to go when potentially we've had a sloppy, slow, stale start and are a goal behind. Diaz, we know, will fly out of the blocks and be right up for it. And he has that kind of infectious energy and he looks to drag the team forward. So I'd prefer to start him. But if not, maybe Gakpo or Bobby starts and Darwin starts on the left. I don't think Jota should start. I think he's been awful since coming back. So I'd rather have him coming off the bench. I'd actually love to see us try a 4-2-3-1 with Diaz left, Mo right, and Gakpo behind Darwin, and then a Fabinho-Thiago double pivot. I know it's not ideal given Fabinho's issues, but to get as many good players on the pitch as possible, that's probably our best way. I mean, you play four forwards, you're not losing anything defensively. Because if it's Henderson or Harvey, they offer nothing defensively. They don't. Harvey at least tries, but Henderson doesn't because his legs won't allow it anymore. But Harvey runs around like a headless chicken. So you might as well just play a fourth forward and go and try and win the game. Like these are awful. There's no reason we can't give them a good hiding. No reason other than ourselves. We are what holds our team back. Our our own team hold themselves back. We just need to look at the performances and the results this season. Far too many games they just haven't turned up for. They've overlooked against bad teams. Wolves away. Bournemouth away. These are desperate teams. And we made them look good. But we made them look good. They aren't good. Uh, on This is Anfield. Ten key things to know ahead of Leeds versus Liverpool. Uh, key players returning, so Thiago, Luis Diaz, uh, the setbacks and training that I mentioned, Ali and Ibu. Uh, Leeds being in a spot of bother, it's absolutely the case. Jesse Marsh was sacked. They brought in Javi Gracia. It's not like he's done particularly well. A change from three, so... The suggestion, obviously, that things could move around in attack for us. Uh, Liverpool are 44 days without a win since beating Manchester United. Really does, really does speak volumes of how poor we've been. Uh, Jürgen said Leeds owe us three points from the game at Anfield. No, that's just not the case. We shot ourselves in the foot that night. Uh, Monday night games, so you, you know, it's, it's interesting. You've had the whole week to dread, and now it can ruin your week as well if it goes, if it goes badly. Um, so that's just not ideal. Um, what else do we have here? There's a piece on Ryan Gravenberch, a player that's been recently linked to Liverpool. We were first linked to him in 2021, and at the time, he was one of the most highly touted midfield players in Europe. Uh, He made his debut for Ajax at 16. He was the youngest ever player to play for Ajax. He broke Clarence Seydorf's record by over 100 days. And for his first couple of seasons, he, he did look like he was going to develop into something really special. And then that summer, there was a lot of talk of, of big money moves 
and they didn't happen. And I don't know if he reacted badly to not being allowed to leave or, or what the case was. But his effort dipped massively. His performance level dipped massively. On the ball, he became very sloppy when beforehand he'd always been clever and he'd made good decisions. I don't know whether he bought into his own hype too much. I don't know what the case is, but he moved to Bayern last summer. It hasn't gone great. I think it's fair to say he's not been able to establish himself. Now, they do have, obviously, quality midfielders at Bayern, so you're not going to hold that against him. We've seen Marcel Sabitzer not be able to establish himself there and go to Manchester United and do quite well. So I have no doubts Gravenberch is good enough, talented enough to come to Liverpool and do well. My doubts are over his effort. Now, if there's one manager who can drag that out of him, it's going to be Jürgen. That's what he does. If he can get Gravenberch to buy in, then he can be a very, very important player. I would say the best move with him is a loan with an option to buy. If Bayern are looking for 25, offer them a loan for 5 million with an option to buy him for 30 or even 35. And if he does well, you won't mind paying that money. And if he doesn't, you've only cost yourself 5 million, you're sending him back. I think Bayern, knowing they could potentially make more on the back end, and that he'd still have value in 12 months, regardless, would be open to a loan. They were certainly open to Sabitzer loan. They've, they've done a few of the loans over the years. So, I, I, I would, I would take Ryan Gravenberch as part of the midfield rebuild. Now, as I've said multiple times, we need four. So, if he's the fourth one, I think it's, I think it's clever. If he's the second one and the other two are worse than him, then I have concerns. Uh, what next for FSG? Liverpool owners losing trust after another misstep. Bayern will try everything to sell Sadio Mane, but Liverpool return is unlikely. Liverpool return should be ruled out. Resigning Sadio would be one of the dumber things that we've done. Uh, why Liverpool could be confident of signing Mason Mount before preseason? We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Jurgen Klopp hoping chance to be a coach again inspires Liverpool form. So over the weekend, I did a poll on Twitter asking whether people would prefer Michael Edwards and Roberto De Zervi or Jurgen Klopp and a director of football of Jurgen's pick. The reason for this was to find out whether people valued the structure or the individual. And it broke about 6,000 votes, just under 6,000 votes. It broke 51% for Jurgen. Now, I picked De Zerbi because I figured he's only been in the league for six months. Most people maybe didn't follow his career at Sassuolo and, and Shakhtar and, and other places. So, got, got a few idiots. <coughs> Excuse me. A few idiots saying, oh, well, you know, no one had heard of him six months ago. Well, that's just not true. You hadn't heard of him six months ago. No, doesn't mean nobody heard of him six months ago. But I didn't, I didn't want to put in a, a Luis Enrique, a Nagelsmann, a Pochettino, a Zidane, like one of the more known quantities that people often talk about as potential Jurgen successors whenever he goes. I picked De Zerbi and said in a follow-up, like, pick whoever you want. It, they, that's not the purpose isn't the manager, the purpose is the structure. And um like the point of it is for Jurgen to succeed, 
Jürgen needs a structure built where he is just a part of that structure. That's why he succeeded at Mainz. It's why he succeeded at Dortmund. It's because, and it's why he succeeded at Liverpool. We had great structure in place. That structure is now gone. In part, it's his doing. In part, it's just the cycle of a club. But there was a report yesterday from David Ornstein, or not a report, but he did a, a, a video clip with some, in someone interviewing him or asking questions. And he said that Jurgen Klopp's power is increasing at Liverpool. And that, to me, is bad news. Like, when Jurgen was given a bit more power at Dortmund, the results were bad. When he's been given a bit more power at Liverpool, the results have been bad. When Jurgen works with a real strong director of football and lets them take the lead on things and he's just a yes-no sounding board, that's when he has success. And that was the purpose of the exercise the weekend was to see just see where people's heads were, you know. And a lot of people were very much in favour of the idea of De Zerbe because there is reasons to doubt Jürgen. They just are. He's never been able to rebuild one of his own teams. He's tried at Mines and failed. He tried at Dortmund and failed. And now he has to do it at Liverpool. And the biggest reason that he's failed at those two previous clubs is his own insistence on not letting certain players leave and keeping players well beyond the point of being useful and not being willing to sell players when the time comes. Like Lewandowski should have been sold 12 months earlier. And Jürgen wouldn't allow it. And if they'd sold him 12 months earlier, they would have got a good fee for him. Instead, his contract ran out and they got nothing. So they had to replace the best striker in the Bundesliga with no money coming in. The same thing happened with, with Nuri Sahin. The same thing happened with Kagawa, where Jürgen let their contracts run too far. They had 12 months left and then Dortmund just had to sell both of them for way below value. Now, I can understand the Sahin one because he was so important in that title-winning season, so keeping him worked out, but they still ended up losing probably half of his value, if not more. Jürgen's a great manager. He's a great coach. So let him coach. Let him do what he's great at. But for him to do that, he needs to let others do what they're great at, what they're at the club to do. And trust them that they won't let him down. Because Edwards didn't let him down. Ever. You can point at Naby, you can point at Ox. Injuries ruined them. They were both excellent players. Naby would have been great for us, if not for injuries. You just need to look at the win-loss record with him in the team. Ox was finding a proper vein of form before his knee exploded. But when Jürgen's put his trust in Edwards and, and Ian Graham and, and Dave Fallows and Barry Hunter, they have delivered for him. And he needs to get back to putting trust in people in those roles. Ideally, he wouldn't have a say in who the director of football is because he shouldn't have a say because the director of football should span multiple managers. The director of football should be the one making the choice on who the next manager is. Now, David Lynch, and I'm not putting words in his mouth or anything. I haven't listened to it, but 
I saw someone say that on a podcast, David Lynch said he thinks potentially, or I, I don't know how exactly worded it, but maybe Liverpool have already picked a director of football to come in. They just haven't announced it yet. Now, who that would be is anyone's guess. My guess is Tim Steed then, the former director of football at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, he's someone I mentioned on, on this maybe a month ago, maybe longer, when he left Leverkusen. He would be a really good get. He's an elite level talent spotter. He's very, very good at negotiations and getting deals done. Uh, I'd like him to bring his brother, who's also an excellent scout. He works for Werder Bremen at the moment. Um, but you'd have to give him control. He'd have to have the, the decision-making powers. Because if he doesn't, he might as well not bother. And no elite-level director of football will stay at the club or or join the club if they're not being given, given a decision-making power. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. There's a reason the successful clubs work to that model. There's a reason in the late 80s the top European clubs went to that model, copying it from America, the general manager, head coach type of model, separating recruitment personnel, overseeing the operation to what happens on the pitch, allowing a manager a more narrowed focus. The only country that didn't do it was, well, Britain, basically. Didn't happen in England, didn't happen in Scotland, but... You can't name me a great team who've had real success over the last 20 years. And I mean sustained success, not like a one-off. I mean sustained success without that structure, bar Ferguson and Wenger, United and Arsenal. And they were just holdovers from prior generations. When Chelsea had the success, Michael E. Manello was making the decision. When they won the European Cup, Michael E. Manello was making the decisions on recruitment. Real, it's not in the hands of the manager. Bayern, not in the hands of the manager. Barca, not in the hands of the manager. Even at City, Pep doesn't lead recruitment at City. He gets certain things, but you can always tell a Pep signing. Jack Grealish was a pep signing. Calvin Phillips was a pep signing. But there's a reason when he was at Barca and he was given control for one summer, Barca then took it off him because he didn't do very well at it. Chiki Bergerstein leads recruitment at City. And look at the results. Now, it helps when you're financially doped, obviously. But there's a reason this is how the top clubs operate. Like, if you gave Michael Edwards $250 million to spend, the results would be far better than giving some of the clowns that run Man United a billion quid. And the proof of that is the team that Edwards built versus what United have done for the last 10 years since Ferguson left. Arsenal, now there's obviously flaws in that team, but Arsenal are challenging for the league title this season with that structure. Under Wenger, where they didn't have that structure and David Dean was gone, 
Well, Arsenal went 14 years without a title. And how many real title challenges did they have after the Invincible season? Maybe one. Maybe. But not even. Like, not a real title challenge where you're going to the last couple of games. There's a reason this is how top clubs work. There's a reason that's why we worked. There's a reason that... There's a reason that the best team we've had since the 80s came under that structure. Because it's too intensive now for a manager to do everything. Even back in the day, like when Bob Paisley was managing Liverpool, he didn't run the recruitment. Because we were smart and we were ahead of the game. We knew what needed to be done and who needed to do what. It's different when Shankby was there, but everybody did that way when Shankby was there. But under Paisley, we had Peter Robinson, who would take care of a lot of the recruitment stuff. You had, um, is it George Twentyman, Jeff Twentyman? God, my memory's not good. As the, the head scout and Peter Robinson would do the deals, Bob would give a yes or a no. Bob would say, you know, Maybe take a look at that guy. They'd have a look and see what happens. Or when it came to selling someone, Bob would say, look, this guy needs to go. And they'd sell him. And Bob could be separate from it. I think if Jürgen could separate a little bit from that side and separate a little bit from the the sentimentality of it all, I think we could have great success. So I'll be interested to see who comes in and whether or not they're given the decision-making powers. Um, there's other stuff on this is Anfield and Liverpool.com that you can check out for yourselves on AnfieldIndex.com. There are two new articles up. Uh, one is about the Klopp embargo. Obviously, a lot of was made about the Klopp embargo, and he kind of snapped at Chris Bascombe and whatever else, but. It's not even that incident. It's just the the concern here is that it's the third time in a couple of months that he's just snapped at a journalist for nothing for a very innocent question. Um, It's very similar to how he was when he was at Dortmund in his last season. He became quite frustrated and he looked just burnt out. Summer break will do him the world of good. Uh, how Liverpool should tackle the final nine games. That's a piece written by Stephen Smith, so check that out. Podcast-wise, there is a new Anfield Index podcast, episode 362, Trev, Cam, and Lisa Marie. There is a positivity podcast. I, I genuinely don't know how you could get yourself up to do a podcast about being positive, given the mess that the club is in in the state of the season. But... um Paul, Lubo and Matt have done that, done their best to raise the mood. Uh, there is a scouted, myself and Carl did questions from Discord. Uh, there's another scout that we've recorded today looking at the Champions League, looking at Valencia and then what players from the bottom nine clubs in the league we would take at Liverpool this summer. Because I actually think we could do most of our rebuild from the teams in the relegation battle. I really do. I think there's enough really good players there that you could put together a really strong window. Now, I still want Caicedo 
but I take the rest from that group. Um, so yeah, that'll do me. Uh, back on Raw tonight, uh, myself, Trev, and I actually don't know. Let me check. I thought it was Carl, but I don't think it is. Maybe it is Carl. Uh, this is great radio, so let me just have a quick look and see who we've got on Raw tonight. Uh, here we go. It is Carl. It is Carl. It is myself, Mr. Downey, and Young Matchett, and we will do that. And then for Forrest, it is myself, Trev, and Jim Boardman, because Carl's on holiday, because, you know, hedonistic lifestyle of the journalist. Uh, but yeah. Let's just get through tonight. Hopefully, a Reds win. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.